Hi everyone and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Pep Talks podcast. So my name is Harina and I'm a part of Team Pep and I'm glad to be joined today by Matt Gebre. So Matt started his career in engineering and later set up an organisation called Habisha Finance with the mission of helping people to build wealth and ultimately achieve financial independence. And he's kindly joined us today to talk about his work and also share some tips on how we can all start to invest for our future. So thank you, Matt, for coming on the podcast. How are you doing? Hello, Harina. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. And uh, so far, so good. Thanks. No, you're welcome. Thank you for coming. Um, so I guess to start off with, and in light of the topic of today's podcast, um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your inspiration um, behind starting Habisher Finance and also tell our listeners a bit more about yourself as well. Yeah, sure thing. So the inspiration behind uh, Habeshaw Finance really was my first child, my daughter, Abby. After getting married in September 2016, my wife and I found out several months later that we would be expecting. And with six figures of debt, a combination of student loans, uh, car notes and some other things, which totaled about to be under $300,000, we had no plan really to financially support this new life that we were expecting and so I got shocked out of my shoes. I got shocked out of, you know, this world just and something woke me up. And that's when I started researching more about saving, budgeting, being financially responsible. And what I found was that the resources, the blogs, the podcasts, the vlogs, the websites out there never really had a perspective that I, my friends and my families, you know, shared this first generation American experience trying to figure out how to navigate through life financially. And so I kept yeah. researching more, yeah, and, and diving deeper into basically all things personal finance. And it wasn't long after that um, Habesha Finance came about. So that, in a nutshell, is kind of how things started. I, I attribute Habesha Finance to my, to my daughter, my first child, um, for really, like, pushing me and in, in, in the right direction for that. Even with my background in engineering, um, going to college and, you know, being in the corporate world for the last 11 years, um, I still hadn't had any good knowledge or good wisdom when it came to personal finance. And so that's really the background around that. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think um, I agree with you that maybe we haven't been taught as, as much in terms of how we can save and how to kind of go on that journey of becoming financially independent. So hopefully there's some things that we can learn from you and from your journey today. Um, so about in terms of this podcast, we wanted to talk about investing specifically and I'm sure there's lots of different elements of financial independence um, that we could talk about but if you could maybe start off by telling us what investing actually is. Oh for sure um, so you know the definition that we all know investing is the act of allocating resources uh, usually money with the expectation of generating an income or profit that's the web that's the definition you're probably going to see online or in a dictionary uh, for me personally, it's it gets a little bit deeper than that. But it, essentially, events, investing is trading something that belongs to you for something else and usually expecting some kind of return. Now, we can get more critical on this definition. But when you think about it, we're always investing something that belongs to us, whether it's money, time, effort, energy and so forth. Um, for this podcast, yes, money is usually what we associate with the investing. I would also add time. Um, but essentially, we're tr always trading money for some kind of asset or something that we hope to gain a profit against. 
Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a good explanation. Um, and I think for me as well, I probably found out a bit more about investing through a kind of really chance conversation with some colleagues at work. Yeah. Um, so we were speaking about obviously coronavirus and the impact that it's had. And a few of um, my colleagues at work were talking about their investments. Um, and I didn't really have much of an understanding of what investments were mm-hmm. um, beyond kind of stocks and like the market and things like that. But that was a very basic level of, of understanding. Um, and then once I kind of asked them about what they were talking about, they then told me about investments that they'd made in kind of funds, um, in specific stocks as well. Right. Um, and just how they've been, I guess, building their wealth from a relatively young age. Um, and as someone who works in finance, I also didn't kind of have that understanding of, you know, the importance of doing that. So, um, yeah, I think it's really important to define kind of what investing is for people. Um, yeah, for sure. And I guess, yeah, in terms of the types of things you can invest in. So I know you mentioned you can obviously invest your time and invest money. But what are some of the things that people can invest in? Yeah, th- this is an interesting question uh, because for what, for most of us, we when we think of investing, we think of the stock market. We think of investing in this business or that business. And what I have found is that you can invest your money through real estate, through you know owning a business, through financial markets, including but not limited to the stock market. And that includes single stocks, mutual funds, index funds, which is just another, which is just a category of mutual funds, uh, the bond markets, commodities markets, uh, which are oil, which includes oil, gold, currency. But you can invest your time in yourself with education and learning, whether it's school and books, the Internet and new forms of media that we have, you know, currently out there that is available to us for free, almost basically such as podcasts like Pep Talks podcast, uh, Habesha Finance, uh, shameless plug there, and other podcasts, right. blogs, yeah, websites that provide education to people to help people out there. I think when we think of investing, we definitely want to expand our, our, our what our awareness and what our you know perception of investing is because it's not just oh when you invest you're just going to invest in this single stock this company that you think is a really great company we've that's the part that i think is really critical in terms of knowing what types of things you can invest in yeah definitely and i think um so i watched a video about investing so soon after that conversation with some of my colleagues at work i tried to do a bit of that research myself um, mm-hmm. and we have a youtuber in the uk called patricia bright which okay. some of our listeners may know um but she has this channel called the break um where she was talking about some of the things that she had invested in personally um and she's quite young she's i think she's in her 30s she was speaking about property um but also kind of her portfolio of stocks and investments and things like that okay that was a good introduction for me as well um but i think it can be quite intimidating to a lot of people um, in terms of starting out investing mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. putting, I guess, money at risk. Um, oh, for... that, yeah, that's not certain as opposed to just saving your money up in a bank account where you know it's there and you have access to it and the money of, and the value isn't changing. So, um, yeah, there's maybe a little bit of fear behind investing as well. Um, and I realised quickly through speaking to a lot of my friends that not many people were investing. Um, mm-hmm, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe what 
what do you think are the kind of main reasons as to why people might not invest? Uh, you know, I think about this uh, from time to time and some of the reasons people are, are unaware or just don't invest is um, one lack of education. You know, yeah. here in the U.S., what we're required to learn in school on a national level does not include like personal finance education. And I would imagine on a global level there, there it's, it's almost similar to that effect. And yeah, from, definitely. yeah. And from grade school to the university level, like personal finance needs to be taught as a requirement, in my opinion. Um, and obviously not everyone will learn and appreciate that education, but I do believe more and more of our young people will have that financial literacy needed to avoid, you know, the financial pitfalls that so many of us, have experienced in our lives. Um, an another reason, you know, people aren't aware or just don't invest, I think it's just a lack of history of investing within families. And I can speak to this uh, because I, I didn't learn investing from uh, my parents and I personally place no fault on them because, you know, their goal was to lay the foundation for me and my siblings to get an education and be successful here in the U.S. And so what they've accomplished in leaving you know, dangerous and unimaginable hardships making their way to the U.S. is nothing short of a miracle. And so anything above that, that they give their kids, you know, giving that chance to go through school here, um, be in this country, the United States of America or other, you know, similar types of um, situations that other people experience is more than we can ask for. Um, yeah. But now it's on my generation. I think it's on like around, you know, us, like me, you and others to make sure that our parents can take necessary actions that, that can help themselves financially. And then also make sure that we educate our fellow brothers and sisters, our fellow Eritrean and Ethiopian brothers and sisters to help them, you know, wherever they are in the diaspora is to, to understand this concept of investing and personal finance um, and, uh, and other topics. Right. And the other a uh, couple of issues, other couple of reasons, I think, you know, that plays into this idea of um, people, you know, this, I, I would say this notion that people aren't aware or don't invest is fear. Like you kind of mentioned just a moment ago, we don't trust it in, we don't trust the stock market. We don't trust investing in the stock market, maybe because of what we've experienced, maybe because of what someone else we know has experienced. And I personally have a podcast, an article that goes into my three rules of investing. And the number one, which I think is, one of the most important rules for me is that I don't invest in single stocks. And I know some people may say, wait, you just said, you know, you invest and you save. But that's because I invest in what's called low cost, broad based index funds. And that's a that's like two words that I have come to really love index funds. And that gives me the opportunity to hold thousands of companies um, across the U.S. or in other parts of the world in one fund. And so that's really important that, you know, that education and trying to understand that where that mistrust comes from. And hopefully the education can help resolve that. And then the last reason why people don't invest or just are not aware is that they're just not able to, there's no money left over. And this really boils down to people who, who do that, who are not able to do that because of there's no choice. You know, they're living uh, paycheck to paycheck. They're struggling. That's a reality that my mom struggled with um, growing up, you know, coming into this country and having two kids. And then there are other people who, you know, by choice, refuse to give up parts of their lifestyle. Maybe they start making more money. They experience what's called lifestyle creep. They start, you know, embracing more different things, living more lavishly and taking on more materialistic, you know, uh, expenses as they increase their income. And so I think 
it, it, these are not going to include all of the reasons, you know, but I do believe that most of us will fall into one of these, um, uh, one of these reasons that I just shared in terms of why people are not aware or why people don't invest. And, and that's just kind of uh, what I have found over my time. Yeah, no, I think you're definitely right. I think for me, like I said, it was probably more a case of fear and also lack of education. Um, and obviously everybody might not be in a position to invest right now. I think to invest, you do potentially need to have some money kind of put aside that you don't need for immediate use. And like you said, if you're in a position where you're living um you know on paycheck to paycheck or or similar then maybe it's a luxury but I think there will be a lot of people who maybe are in a position where they're saving a bit of money and putting it away in a bank where they could be investing it into kind of one of the products that you've mentioned um I just wanted to quickly come back to something that you said so you mentioned that you don't invest in single stocks but you do invest in index funds um so just for anyone who might not be aware of what an index fund is, I think you, you mentioned briefly that it was a way to invest in lots of different companies at the same time. Um, and I think one misconception that I had was that you needed to invest a lot of money to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so just, yeah. I guess, mm -hmm. making clear that people who have amounts of money with, who might not think that it's big enough to invest can still access these kind of products and things like that as well. Yeah, yeah. And so... Uh, what I have found is there are, you have these indices out there, right? You have, at least like for the U.S. and other parts of the world, you have um, these companies that track different companies out there um, for lack of a better way of explaining. But you have what's called the S&P 500 in Index Fund, Standard & Poor uh, 500 Index. And um, we have companies like Vanguard, Fidelity, um, Charles Schwab, who create this opportunity to invest in those 500 companies that this one company decided, you know, these are the top 500 uh, companies in the U.S. And so it's hard to invest in all of those companies at one, like um, in, in a single stock, right, to buy one yeah. stock of all of those companies. So what I'm not as well versed as I, as I, you know, hope to be one day, but what I understand it as it's an opportunity that when you invest a dollar into that index fund, that one, that dollar will be, will be allocated appropriately, right. Um, based on market value, based on how big the companies are um, across all of those 500 companies. So you get bits and pieces of all of those 500 companies in one fund. And that's just a great way to stay diverse. That's a great way to keep your money um, safer than, you know, and I say that loosely safer because we know that nothing is guaranteed in the stock market. Nothing is guaranteed when you invest. But what you have when you see history, when you look at history, is that um, in, in periods of 30, 40 years where you, when you stayed with these kinds of funds, with an index fund like S&P 500 or, um, you know, other types of funds that are broad based and, and have multiple companies, more than, you know, two or three, you're going to you're, you're going to experience pretty good if the history tells us anything you are going to experience decent returns and so it's because you're diverse it's broad-based and then also the index funds are low are, are very low in fees and one interesting thing that i did because um i talked about this with my parents and i had i started talking to them about why they didn't invest and you know i did the math for my parents and if they had just saved you know two hundred dollars a month over the last 30 years from 1990 yeah 
yeah, from June 1990 to August 2020. And if they did this in Vanguard's S&P 500 index fund, they'd have around $420,000, I believe. And of that $420,000, um, their contributions would have been like $72,000. Not even, they didn't oh, even wow. contribute yeah. half of like, yeah, what was total, right? And this doesn't, this is just them saving. I'm not taking inflation into consideration. And we can, that's another topic for another day. But um, during this 30-year period, the S&P 500 index gained an annualized return of 9.67% with div- dividends reinvested. So from June 1990 to August 2020, by investing $200 flat every month um, with compound interest, right? Um, my parents, who, you know, either of them would have been able to sit on $420,000. And here's the kicker. If the market continues to earn that 9.67% interest rate, by 2030, they could potentially have $1.16 million. That's, 40, that's a 40-year period of investing from 1990 to 20, what, uh, 2030, I believe. 30, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 2030. <laughs> Sorry, my math yeah. is a little bit off today. But, um, but yeah, what I want people to understand is, you know, this is a really interesting and very important part of investing. It's not an overnight, you know, success story, but it is that long-term um, marathon type of race, which, you know, um, us people are very accustomed to knowing what a marathon is all about. And that's, yeah. we have to have that same kind of mentality. And interestingly, um, this, many people attribute this quote to Albert Einstein. Um, and it's that, you know, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. So for my parents for the last, you know, 30 years or so, They've been paying interest. They haven't been earning interest, but you know all of that has mostly changed over the last uh, few years. We've gotten them, or you know, changing the way they handle money and investing in a Roth um, yeah. IRA here in the United States, and just we're saving for retirement essentially. Yeah, no, I think those numbers are definitely, yeah, very powerful and show you the the kind of impact and potential reward that you can have from investing. Um, yeah. but like you said, it's it's definitely kind of a long term thing so right not something that people should be doing with the aim of getting a really quick return on their money um so i think that's a really important point to make as well um, yep. and i think in terms of um interest i know here in the uk um our interest rates have been cut quite dramatically mm. i don't know if it's the same in the us mm-hmm. um so for example i think my bank account i earn something like 0.1 percent interest yeah on my savings um so it's another reason why obviously investing is a really attractive um, option. Yeah. Um, and you touched there on inflation as well. Um, so one of the things that I learned myself when I was doing this research was, so in the UK, our inflation is around 2% a mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for people who are listening, who might not know what that is, it's basically um, the rate of growth of kind of increases in prices in everyday living products. Um, yep. living costs yeah i think ours is about three percent here in the u.s in the u.s okay yeah. two to three percent it always it varies but yeah yeah so i guess ideally if you are saving money away for a day in the future or a point in the future then you, you want to have an interest rate which at least is in line with inflation because otherwise yep. you're technically losing the value of your money um and Correct. That something like, yeah i didn't really it didn't hit home until i read it and i kind of thought that through and I was like oh wow because I thought I was doing a good job by kind of saving a little bit every month um 
but I realized actually by not investing it into something with a decent return mm-hmm. I was actually losing money in the long run um, mm-hmm. so that was definitely another uh, kind of positive um, benefit of investing but aside from those are there any other kind of benefits that people should also really consider I mean there's also you know the tax liability that um, that gets reduced overall when you save in these kind of tax advantage accounts uh, yeah. with retirement accounts you you defer taxes one way or another, whether you defer the taxes, you don't pay the taxes today or you save on the taxes later, depending on what retirement account you have. And so that's a really important uh, part of of investing is making sure that you use whatever you have um, available to you that can help you reduce whatever, you know, your tax liability, um, whether it's today or in the future. And, and overall, that that's great. You know, that's a great thing to have. Yeah, no, definitely. That sounds really good. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess if somebody's listening to this episode um, of the podcast and they're thinking that they might want to start looking into investing, um, I guess, I think for me, I really struggle to figure out where to start. Um, so beyond, obviously, doing some initial reading, what are some of the practical steps that people should be considering before they go and put some money down um, for their first investment? So... Okay, the steps, yeah, for, for anyone who is ready to put some money down for the first investment, like in, in the beginning, you got to give yourself a pat on the back and understand that uh, this is a journey. Like we just talked about, this is a marathon that you're going to be on in terms of investing and building wealth. And so once you, get, once you do that, once you get that realization, um, calculate your net worth. It's really important, I think, as part of this journey that you calculate your net worth, understand your assets, understand your liabilities, subtract the two, right? Subtract, um, take everything you own and subtract what you owe. And that will show you what your net worth is. This is a good financial, excuse me. This is a good financial health check. Everyone should do two or three times a year. Um, And especially as you begin this investing journey, because that's going to show you like what it showed me and my wife, how broke we were, even though, you know, we were coming out of law school and coming out of engineering school with decent, you know, income, decent, decent careers. We looked at student loans and everything that we had, and we were in the negative hundreds of thousands of dollars net worth, you know, and that all turned around. But that's that's one thing that I really encourage young people and everyone actually to do is to calculate your net worth. And um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, I have my rules of investing for me personally, and you're going to have to develop some rules for you personally. That comes from education. But like I mentioned, for me personally, right now, there's, there's no, there are no single stocks um, that I have that I'm invested in in my, in my portfolio. And that, that would be the case, you know, whether it's my 401k or my uh, taxable account or even a Roth IRA or another like some type of uh, investing account that I a brokerage account that I would have. Um, and it's really based on that low cost, broad based strategy, that low cost, broad based index fund strategy. The example I shared earlier with that nine point, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, with that nine point six, seven percent, if you just apply a one percent fee, you know, like this management fee or whatever type of fee that you could pro- potentially have mm-hmm. would drop your. Uh, annualized return to 8.67%. And when you compound that over 40 years, that's going to give you less than $300,000 from the $1.16 million that you had. And so this is part of that education, understanding it. It's I'm, I've 
been doing this for the last four years or so. And I'm still, I'm still learning it more, still understanding and still trying to gain as much knowledge as I can. And, you know, that's what I would encourage, encourage others to do as well. Just to soak in as much information as you can through, through podcasts um, and through decent, you know, reputable sources. Um, the other thing is to understand your risk tolerance, meaning are you comfortable with investing in something where you're 100% stocks with your index funds or, you know, um, real estate or whatever it is that you put your money in. Um, you've got to understand your risk tolerance, whether it be bonds as well. You know, on I, I looked at my portfolio this year because obviously like the markets have been down, up and down, up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, but on March 23rd, year to date, my portfolio was down 32%. And wow. okay. you're talking about, yeah, you're talking... Let's just say you had $100,000 in your 401k. Your portfolio drops down to about $68,000. And that's, that can be terrifying, you know. And it's partially because of how I'm invested. Because I personally feel comfortable, like my own me, <laughs> comfortable with being 100% equities. Whether um, And the breakdown is 85% U.S. total stock market and 15% international. Um, because I'm comfortable with that, I know and in some ways have prepared myself that to, to accept those low returns. Because as, as I've seen over the last 11 years of my investing career, the market goes up, the market goes down. Any, everyone was telling me, don't invest in 2008. Don't you know, invest in your 401k or do this or do that you know, in terms of investing money in the stock market 2008, 2009. And when I say stock market, I mean like my index funds. I just want to make sure that's clear. Um, but all of, you know, my 401k never stopped. I never stopped contributing. Um, and if you're working, you may have great opportunities to invest in that in your 401k. So I would encourage people, um, to do that. And just remember it's a, it's a marathon. You're going to see 30% drops, 40% drops, depending on how your portfolio is allocated, how your portfolio is set up. But, um, I want you all to to just learn, learn, learn as much as you can. Remember, investing is only one part of the journey to financial freedom. You've got to learn to budget your money. You've got to cut down on spending where it's not needed. If you don't learn to take control of your finances, then someone else will do that for you. And here's a quote that I really do live by as, as best as I can. And that's to stop buying things you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't like. So I think, you know, for me personally, it's it's really about getting started. If people can just get started on investing with good, sound education, then 30 years from now, 40 years from now, um, they, they will look back and say, I'm so happy I did that. I'm so happy I, I started that journey um, so many years ago. Yeah, no, definitely. That's all, I think, really useful and important to hear. So I'm sure a lot of people will kind of resonate with that. So yeah, thank you for sharing that, and obviously for sharing. Yeah, and, and sorry, I keep I I'm yeah. I like all over the place. I I just um, I get excited when I'm talking about personal finance and <laughs> yeah. investing, and so uh, I, I do apologize for my uh, rambling here and there. No, no, not at all. Um, and I think yeah, really interesting to hear kind of what your personal portfolio looks like as well. Um, and obviously, yeah, some of the the changes that you've had in the value of that with you know Corona and just yeah. kind of the realities of what investing might look like. Um, but like and you said, you're in this for the long term. So you're obviously hoping that you'll recoup those losses. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And if I, if I may real quick, um, yeah. 
some of the things that we we have done is we actually stopped contributing to our 401k my wife and i um because of the corona because of the covid 19 pandemic mm-hmm. um <clears throat> we've been taking our money and just putting into our high yield savings account and right. so i think i i'm pretty sure um, uk um, has similar type of um, funds like high yield savings account and right now for us in our american express high yield savings account we're actually earning um 1% interest you know um annually obviously but um what's interesting about that is even though the market hasn't really been too kind to us uh, this year, actually, the, to, I checked it today. Year to date, it's up 0.63%. So it's, a, it's all right. But um, we've stopped investing in that. And we've just been putting our money away into our high yield savings account because of the unknown, because we're in such a pandemic. We didn't change anything in our 401k. I want to be clear. But yeah. we, we did stop contributing just to give ourselves you know, a cushion for us to build up our emergency fund to build up that um, savings in case anything happens, because as we clearly see, like we're in uncertain times. And I just wanted to make sure that was clear. Yeah, no, definitely. And I guess in terms of you mentioned a 401k um, and I think the UK equivalent would just be kind of a pension or retirement plan. Okay, um, yeah. Which most people would be contributing through um, like through their employer if they're on a scheme. Or some people might have private ones that they've set up as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, thanks for clear, clarifying that. Yeah, no, it's okay. Um, no, that sounds really good. Thank you. I think um, in terms of um, emergency funds as well, I just wanted to touch yeah. on that. Um, because I think obviously in the midst of Corona and um, like you said, it's challenging times for a lot of people. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on kind of what emergency funds people should be building up and what a good fund looks like and from mm-hmm. your own experiences or just from yeah. Kind of, yeah what what you know so when i first started we first started this journey um we we never felt comfortable excuse me we never felt comfortable with less than a three-month emergency fund so if, in case anything happens to my job in case anything happens to uh, my wife's job we would have three months of expenses that we can afford um, to live off of and give the other person a chance to, you know, uh, find another job or get back to work or figure something out. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I leave that as a minimum three months. And, but I encourage people, especially with what we've seen um, to, to don't be afraid to build that to a six month emergency fund, which I share, you know, once you get through, um, you know, paying off your debts and a lot of the, and clearing, you know, becoming debt free. I, I encourage on my website to in my blog to encourage vlog the people to have three to six month emergency fund. Now with this COVID-19 pandemic, I am I wouldn't be opposed to putting getting a, a one year, you know, a 12 month emergency fund or a two year emergency fund, because um, I don't think my generation has it. My, I, def, I know my generation has never seen a pandemic like this, even many people, right? Unless you were born in the 19, unless you were born in the early 1900s and have survived, you know, until now in the 1915s or 1919, um, I believe with the with the uh, pandemic that occurred ar- around that time, um, you have never experienced this right now. And you're seeing where people are out of work for months, even could yeah. potentially be a year because of, you know, just the timeline of when the medical experts are telling us some medical experts are telling us when we could see a vaccine. So think about thinking about like I could be out of work for a year is a very challenging thought to say, you know, 
let me let me go ahead and maybe give up this luxury of a of a cable subscription or some kind of other type of monthly recurring fee that I pay that is for a luxury and just continue to build my emergency fund to at least a three month and then push that as you know don't be afraid to push that to that 12 month that's something that my wife and I have started to consider is to look at maybe doing at least six months of emergency funds um, but definitely you know not not afraid not um, you know against putting that um, cap at the 12 at least 12 month emergency fund just just because you know yeah and I guess in terms of the emergency funds it probably depends kind of on your personal circumstances as well so yeah you obviously have a family and um obviously have children to look after and exactly um whereas maybe if you're someone who's um kind of living with their family Mm -hmm. and potentially not paying kind of rent or anything like that then you know maybe a three-month emergency fund is a good place to start absolutely absolutely as well so yeah, yeah. now this is all going to be yeah relative to everyone's situation, everyone's circumstance. So what what works for me may not work for you. And um, I think you're right. There is wiggle room for everyone to kind of assess where they are currently and, and make it work for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I just want to talk a little bit about kind of spending and budgeting. So yeah. it sounds like you've um, yeah obviously got a good handle on your finances um, through the years and you've learned a lot. Um, and you briefly touched on the importance of budgeting. So I guess if someone's thinking about investing, is there a kind of proportion of their income that they should be aiming to invest or they should be aiming to kind of save um, kind of in proportion to their spending or things like that? Or just how people go about looking at their income every month and then deciding, OK, I'm going to put this much away. So just wanted to maybe get your yeah. thoughts on maybe how you've approached that in the past. Yeah, so we the way we've approached this, actually, um, just kind of assessing our situation, we're very much on the um, save and invest for retirement as as much as we can, whether it's 30% of our take home, you know, um, but no less than no less than 20%. uh, Because we're not here to try to, you know, retire in uh, 10 years or, or five or 10 years, we I mean, we're here to you know, enjoy the life we have, help the family and friends that we, you know, surround ourselves with um, as best as we can. And so we're not going to, I know, because I know some people will, will say 50%, 60%, 70% of their income. And I, I give them all credit, you know, that's a, amazing to do. Um, but in terms of investing, uh, like, and budgeting and all of that, I think that is a, that is an important, um, you know, pro- part of the process where I wouldn't, I would I would start investing maybe if you get a match at work, you know, doing that three percent match or two percent match or five percent match, um, especially if you have debt. Like if you don't have debt, if you're debt free, then please like go ham, do the 15, 20, 25, 30 percent, what what you can, you know, with regards to your budget. And this um, is for a pension plan. I mean, like this, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. This would be the pension plan that work, re- that work retirement plan um, that provides you that, that interest um, and try to get to whatever that limit is. I know some, most of these like 401k government uh, retirement plans, company retirement plans have like a limit. The government will set a limit like $19,000 or $19,500 in the U.S. that you can put in a 401k per year um, just from yourself, just from the individual. 
And, uh, and if you can, if there's a way where you can try to get to that level, you know, you got to calculate that based on your income. Um, but you still have to eat, you still have to pay your mortgage, you still have to, you know, pay for your cell phone services and all of that. And so that's where that budget comes into play. And so once you take care of your necessities, if there's enough room to be able to invest, then, you know, do your best to try to, to see what you, you're able to do. Um, but I would always try to work toward uh, at least around that 15% like of yourself, you know, contributing to retirement, um, contributing to the future, being able to invest. That, that's just for retirement. If you want to have a taxable account um, that you do on top of that or, or another type of um, um, tax advantage account on top of that, which there are some available like that, um, that would be great. You know, that, I think that would be great as well. I just, I just I do want to preface this by saying, um, again, please make sure that you're debt free before really like pushing the pushing the envelope to invest as much as you can. Because while, yes, you're going to be able to invest and earn interest and, and make money, the debt you have is also taking away, you know, is also compounding against you. So if you have one hundred thousand dollars of student loan debt or some type of, uh, you know, other kind of debt, a car note or personal loan that you have that's accruing 7% interest or um, 8% interest or 10% interest, well, that's working against you. And the sooner you can pay that off, the sooner you can just really start to explore these, these really great opportunities to, to save and invest for the future. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the point around debt is, yeah, is really important. I don't know, a lot of people will have student debt and things like that. Um, I think there's probably some differences between kind of how student debt works in the UK, maybe versus the US. Okay, um, yeah. And the interest rates. But I think, yeah, the point around looking at your debt before kind of going um, going fully into investing is obviously a really good point. Um, so no, yeah. that sounds great. So I think that almost brings us to the end of the episode. Oh. Um, oh. But before we go, um, I just wanted to, I guess, get your thoughts. So, for people who have been listening or are interested in taking some kind of practical next steps, what would be your top tips to get people started in terms of kind of YouTube channels or books that people can read so they can kind of go out there and start doing that research themselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so first, obviously, I would just uh, plug my platform, Habesha Finance. And as much as I try to provide education, I also try to provide just my real life experience with everything that I'm going through on a uh, on the on our financial freedom journey on this journey to <clears throat> excuse me uh, achieve financial freedom so I share that with uh, you know on the different platforms whether it's habashafinance.com uh, YouTube my podcast which is habashafinance um, and then Facebook Twitter habash at habashafinance everywhere essentially uh, so whatever style of media media anyone out there prefers I try to make that um, available to them but I've been a lot more active on on YouTube these days um, as well as uh, as well as um, the Facebooks and and the pot and you know other forms of media so I would just encourage anyone if they want to see to get started they can try that um, also I will I do like to recommend um, a, a few books and other YouTube channels if I may and um, the first book is Dave Ramsey's uh, Total Money Makeover and I think although it's a, these are going to be like uh, U.S. based books, I, I still think that these are very 
encouraging books that can help people, you know, along their journey to financial freedom. Uh, Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover is a great inspirational book to, to get out of debt and how to think about money for the future. The next is The Millionaire Next Door by Thomas Stanley and William uh, Danko, I believe. And they really do a great job of studying, um, you know, these millionaires that you would never even believe, like how they spend their money, what kind of cars they drive, what kind of neighborhoods uh, they live in. And so they just really show you what, you know, true millionaires look like. And it, and it you know, would surprise a lot of people. And then one of my uh, current favorite books is The Simple, Wa Simple Path to Wealth uh, by J.L. Collins. That's a really great book for just kind of putting a lot of it together and just seeing what someone who has been in the market for decades um, talks about. He's a big proponent of uh, index funds and making and building your wealth that way. And so that's a great book to read. And then one of uh, I would like also to mention is The Little Book of Common Sense Investing by Jack Bogle who is the founder of the first index fund and, you know, um, passed away uh, last year. And he's really the man responsible for making it so much easier for all of us to be able to build wealth diversely and with very minimal costs. And so he's basically the individual investors, uh, uh, in investor or, you know, investor advisor, if you, if I can say that. And um, for YouTube chat, if you like YouTube and, and, um, that platform, I recommend um, Choose FI, and FI stands for Financial Independence. That's a great group of people who are, you know, pushing this financial independence, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, how do I say this, Perfect financial independence uh, strategy, I guess, if, if, for lack of a better word. And then uh, Paul Merriman. Uh, Paul Merriman is an educator who talks about investing and saving and really um, has been one of my go-to guys, go-to, uh, you know, resources in terms of having, you know, the courage and the confidence to be able to stay in the market. He's really, really helpful. He has his own podcast and uh, his own YouTube channel, and I recommend those two as well. But all this to say, do your research, start where you are, don't be afraid to start where you are, but um, do your research and, and, and I mean, you know, continue to educate yourself. And remember, everything that we talked about here is, is just for educational purposes only. You've got to, um, this is not investment advice. This is just educational entertainment, you know, for people to see like, okay, this somebody here is, is doing this, uh, you know, um, on his own. And of course, I still also recommend speaking with a professional financial advisor, a professional, you know, um, tax advisor, if you need that kind of advice. Um, it's something that my wife and, and I personally um, will make sure we do, you know, once we get to that next level of uh, wealth and all of that. But I also always say, like, make sure that you are speaking to um, professionals, you know, for, for maybe complex situations or just your own specific situation that you have. Yeah, no, definitely. I think speaking to financial advisors um, is a good idea, particularly when you get to kind of, like you said, that level where you really do need that expert advice beyond what you're able to kind of read on the internet or reading books yeah. or etc um but i no. always say like yeah. everything i write everything i share on my podcast like fact check me make sure <laughs> yeah. you do your research and fact check me because um i'm not a professional you know financial advisor legal advisor or tax advisor that's that's always important um for for people to to do yeah no definitely mm-hmm 
yeah I feel like we've covered so much in this podcast um and like I said it's been really really useful um and I'm sure a lot of the information that you've shared will be really helpful to people who maybe need to investing or have kind of been thinking about it and haven't known where to start um and hopefully you've given them some good tips and resources for them to get started so thank you um, no thank you again thank you to you um and then the the pep talks uh podcast for inviting me and having me on this on the show like um, i'm very happy to see like this kind of media being uh, organized and being provided that is just very encouraging for you know people in our generation and then just also the families out there who are looking for these kinds of resources you know i think that's an important part of uh, all of our communities you know moving forward and, and making progress um where where we are you know um and, and it's important to have these kind of outlets these kinds of platforms that do just that so thank you to you to you all for for having me and, and doing this oh no you're welcome um but yeah before we go um we just have three more questions final questions all right um, so we've started a little bit of a tradition where we ask all of our podcast guests the same questions um so they're quick fire so the first one is what advice do you wish someone had given you at the start of your career? Uh, become debt-free as quickly as possible. Yeah, that makes sense with, uh, <laughs> with what you told us earlier. Okay, second one. What advice would you give to anyone who might be listening to this podcast? Uh, I would say start saving and investing what you can until it hurts. You know, that's the uh, same advice someone gave me when I was about 23 in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, when I was working there for about a year, start saving and investing what you can until it hurts. And then um, also life insurance. I know we kind of didn't really talk about this, but um, for, for people who can, life insurance, term life insurance is a great product to have while you're on your journey to financial freedom, especially if you have people uh, depending on you, like a parent or kids or a spouse. Um, I, I want to also make sure I add that as well to let folks know, uh, know about that. That's some advice that I want to share. Yeah, definitely. I think life insurance probably isn't something that a lot of people think of, um, particularly when yeah, they come... kind of come to terms with like your um, mortality, you know, uh, it's a little bit scary, but mm-hmm. I think it's the necessary and right thing to do, if, especially if you have people who are depending on you financially. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, okay, final question then. This is okay. more of a fun one. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, if you had to eat either gaat, itcha, or fun mm. for breakfast every day for one year, which one would you choose and why? Uh, I, I'm going to have to say itcha, um, but with one caveat, caveat, and that is I have to have my mom's ergo um, with that meal. And so uh, it's like a sour cream, meat, mita, garlic, and ginger kind of uh, uh, cream that you can dip dipping sauce that you can put dip the kitchen in. I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'm, I've seen it before, but it's it's got to be my mom's. My Specifically, my mom's. I can't have anyone <laughs> yeah. else's. Uh, the kitchen can be anyone's. That's okay. But the ergo has, t- has got to come from my mom. <laughs> oh, well, okay. That's definitely a new one. I haven't heard of that one before. I usually just have it with plain yogurt. So I feel like it's pretty boring compared to <laughs> compared to that option. Uh, yeah, I can't. I have to have it just the way the way she makes it. Oh man, okay, that sounds like something I need mm-hmm. to try. Um, yeah. Okay, great. Well, Appreciate- that was um, all the questions that we had for you. So thank you again so all much. Right. Thank you, us. thank you, Arena.
Okay. Um, so like Matt mentioned, if you want to find out a bit more about Habisha Finance, um, the website will be linked in the episode description of this podcast. So you can follow that through to find YouTube videos and also to listen to Matt's own podcast. And um, if you want more detail on some of the things that we've spoken about today, and if you find, want to find out a bit more about PEP, then our website will also be in the bio. But thank you for tuning in to this episode and we hope to catch you next time.